1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. It has been a fair few weeks since we joined you as a three, but we're absolutely delighted to be back. And rugby is coming back this weekend with Glasgow and Edinburgh shaping up to decide the most important uh, trophy in rugby, the 1872 Cup. To talk to it today, as ever, I'm joined by Alan and Matt. Alan, how are you?
0: Good, good. Excited. My life has felt mildly empty without kind of Edinburgh and Glasgow and especially sort of really crap Turges 1872 cup matches so no massively excited for the weekend
2: yeah all your all your Christmases have come at once and Matt how are you feeling about the weekend
3: yeah I'm pretty excited Alan just before we got on we were having a little bit of a preamble and you said this is all very nice but I'd like to get to the pub so I don't know how excited you are actually (laughs)
0: i want to do the pod but i'm also really excited about having a pint you know it's the pub is new it's fresh you know it's it's, it's exciting again so yeah just all about efficiency of activity
2: yeah i'm at my i'm at my mum and dad's and dad just before we started brought me through a little can of McEwan's export so we're off and running it's very it's on brand thing. oh yeah never knowingly off brand so Today, obviously, we've got the um, 1870 Cup, 1872 Cup to preview. We're going to be getting into that. Um, we're going to canter through some of the news that has been going through um, over the last few months. There's obviously been um, a little bit of uh, news coming out of Glasgow today and some uh, stuff questioning Dave Rennie's ability with man management. We're going to talk about that as well. Um, and then I've got a little quiz. Um, I was tired of losing quizzes in the previous series of The Thistle, so um, I've just been proactive. I spent my lunch break um, on Wikipedia, I've got a little quiz for you guys. So um, that is the running order for today. So in order to not annoy Alan and keep us um, too long, why don't we start? Glenn Bryce has extended his contract at Glasgow for a year. Um, there's obviously not been too much transfer news coming out of Scotston Alan, what did you make of um, that signature?
0: Well, I guess there's been quite a lot of commentary about the victims of COVID, but it does feel like Glenn Bryce is potentially sort of someone who's kind of come out a little bit kind of positive because there has been a lot of commentary, especially even from Danny Wilson, about them looking for a new new fullback. And I think probably just with everything that's happened with COVID, both in terms of financial restrictions and you know, just people not being able to sort of fly and move into new countries. They obviously just weren't able to do that. And I feel it sounds like that, or it looks like that sort of opened the, the gate for Glen Bryce to get this sort of one-year extension.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the only other back three player that they brought in was obviously Rufus uh, McLean from the under-20s. Um, so they are definitely going to need all the help they can get in the back three. Um I suppose speaking of back three players, and this is more of a general topic rather than news. Um, the last sort of month or six weeks, there's been an awful lot of talk about, um, I guess, player care, player welfare, um, particularly with related to Glasgow Warriors following the the news of Matt Smith's retirement and the the difficulty he's been having with his mental health, and then that sort of came back to the forefront with um, Rory Hughes giving an interview with Rugby Pass earlier. Um, Earlier this week, where he pretty much went both barrels on Leicester Tigers and Glasgow, the last two clubs that he's been at, but particularly Dave Rennie um, and his sort of man management style. Um, Matt, I'll come to you first. I mean, how have you sort of viewed all of um, viewed both of those stories? And do you, I suppose, do you think Glasgow and the S O U have got um, you know questions to answer on their their management of players?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a difficult one. I think, um, first and foremost, if the fact, if Rory Hughes and Matt Smith, you know, felt that way that they weren't sort of part of the Warriors squad, um, it's a real shame for them personally. And, and just for the fact that it's like young Scottish talent who seem to have, um, fallen by the wayside. And obviously in Matt Smith's case, um, it led to kind of far more serious stuff. Um, so, you know, maybe there are questions to be asked about Dave Rennie's, ability to, to manage guys who are on the fringe. Um, I think Alex Dunbar came out and said sort of, I had a similar message that he never really felt like, um, you know, he got the feedback, but was never really get got, never really got a chance to, to show that he'd taken it on board. Um, I mean, I, I think at the same time, you know, it, it shows the difficulties of just having two pro sides and that you've, you're always going to have like talented uh, exciting youngsters who just due to the numbers aren't going to play. Um, so it's, it's, it's a difficult one. And, and you know, it, it does, it does feel like with, with Matt Smith slightly with, you know, at a time when he was really struggling and he felt like he didn't have the support in place that he was slightly hung out to dry. If you see what I mean?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, we're, we're not close enough to the squad to know what was going on at all on a day-to-day basis. And I think um, Matt Smith's been really brave to talk about his experiences and putting them out there. Um, and I think there is, of course, more that the SRU and the rugby community can, of course, be doing to manage players' mental health in those situations. But I suppose it's always going to be difficult if, from Dave Rennie's point of view or any coach's point of view, you know, if a player just isn't giving you what they want what you want from them it's kind of difficult just to give them game time you know because every every match counts every um you know high stakes in the pro 14 champions cup whatever you know these minutes are you know it's a professional environment so it's a really difficult balance to hit um and um i I kind of see it as, as quite difficult and i suppose the sru did Shuffle the deck a little bit, they moved Matt Smith across to Edinburgh to try and get him you know a, a bit of freshness, a bit more game time to put himself back in the shop window for Danny Wilson when he was coming back in, but obviously that didn't really work out either and co- chuck in their limiting hours and and games it's it's just sort of all conflated into a really difficult difficult moment
3: yeah
0: no, it, it, exactly, and I think. You know, actually, how do we look back at some kind of some of the players? How some of the players have spoken about Rennie back when he was sort of the Chiefs coach? And again, you know, these are you know you, the sort of players who probably are starters, so you don't you don't get any sort of feedback from the players who um, who are on the fringes. But again, they were all very very positive. And I know we've had a few conversations with people who have both been have been in the in the camp or used to be in the camp at Glasgow who have given a positive view of. Rennie, both as a coach and as a man manager, so it feels like potentially the narrative's been a little bit one-sided, and um, I think it'd be interesting to hear, you know, from potentially some of those sort of more positive voices. I think it just shows how important getting the Super Six kind of up to scratch is, because as you said, ultimately, if Matt, if there isn't space for people like. Matt Smith in Glasgow, then there needs to be a quality a good enough tier of rugby for him to go down and be able to prove himself and I I don't think that's something that has been there and and, and still isn't there in terms of the quality of of the Super 6 last year
3: Yeah I think Rennie Rennie himself did talk about that as well so he he was saying that he really wanted um, like reserve team fixtures so Glasgow A versus Edinburgh A so you know, I think I don't know. I'd, li- I'd like to think that Rennie was very aware of that being being an issue. Um, but you know, ultimately, with squads that size and only a certain amount of places in the matchday squad, and you know, Super Six being the next um, available alley, it's 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 a difficult one to juggle. Yeah.
2: And I think on that point you made out a little bit earlier about the sort of, I guess, the positive voices about Dave Rennie's tenure, it is interesting that these things have flared up, you know, once he has left the left not only the job, but the country. You know, it feels that he is maybe an easy stick to beat with. Um, and I guess a point on Rory Hughes, because I actually want to entirely separate his case from Matt Smith's if we can, because I, I think they should be treated differently. I think I don't think it would surprise that many people that he he's potentially this quite outspoken and potentially disruptive character. It's not the first we've heard of it. And obviously there was that big story of him, you know, going on Instagram live and sort of swearing and sounding off to people when he was drunk, when he was down at Leicester as well. I mean, he's kind of, whenever he's been given his opportunity, he's kind of never really raised to the level required. I think there was a Champions Cup game that he started and he really wasn't up to scratch and then i think he's been a victim more o- or of covid because he got a pretty decent loan move to leicester tigers now granted maybe it's not the leicester tigers of 10 15 years ago but still a huge club in england um and got a couple of games and he would probably have got a run-in if um if uh you know if covid had not happened um it feels to me that in that in his case that interview with um rugby pass was a sort of him trying to keep his name relevant his name out there that he's looking for a gig and i don't know is slagging off your last two employers and calling them awful publicly the best way to get a job i don't know Mm -hmm. but um i guess we'll see 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 where he lands
3: i think if you um if you completely separate kind of personalities and you know characteristics and perception or whatever that is that like I, I do feel, without sound horrible, that losing Matt Smith to the game is is bigger than losing Rory Hughes. So I just I just feel like Matt Smith is a is a better player. and Whenever he played for Glasgow, he did a really good job. That that probably sounds too hard. I, don't, I would never want to lose someone to the game, but I think if you just approach it, you know, purely on the basis of like rugby ability and what they could offer to the team, then yeah, I I agree. I don't know if Rory Hughes sort of ever. Really, kind of marked himself out as like a, a long-term Glasgow starter, and I, I know that maybe sounds like pretty harsh, but it is like the realities of of rugby these days.
0: No, I think it's great. Uh, interesting. I've completely forgotten about Alex Dunbar until until we've sort of mentioned him because um, he's he's another one that got released by brief I think in May, and you know, middle of COVID hasn't probably been able to get a gig. And um, you know, there's a guy who what thirty?
3: Who went to? Oh, there you
0: go. I'm an I'm, I'm the asshole.
2: Well, yeah, I, I suppose I'd forgotten that Alex Dunbar is um is without a club, so we will keep an eye um on that. Hopefully, he does land on his feet because he's somebody that we desperately don't want to lose the game. He's still got a lot to give. Um, and speaking of giving to the game of rugby, um, there was plenty of Scots in action last weekend in the um, in the Gallagher Premiership um, south of the border, including the first Exeter outing for um,
3: Johnny Gray. Matt, you were
2: keeping an eye on all the lads and how they were getting on?
3: Yeah, um, with a particular eye on that Exeter-Leicester game, um, I thought that jo- Johnny Gray acquitted himself really well. Um, they, they were throwing a lot to him in the line-out. Um, so he had a good game in that regard, and he seemed to be sort of like the the centerpiece for their mauling game. wherever they got close to the line, um, there was quite a, a good moment when Ellis Genge tried to like, lift up his top and show off his kite. Um, so there's like a bit of <laughs> a bit of fisty cuts, which is or just a little bit of pushing and shoving, which is quite funny. Um, Hogg, I think most people would have seen his try. He scored. Looked very good, um, and then. Sam Skinner and Sam Hidalgo Klein, when they came on, kind of just fitted into that system really well. Um, and if if you look at the Exeter um, scrum half roster after Nick White has, has left, like there's not much between them and and Sam Hidalgo Klein. So you know, if he can like establish himself there and get a good run of games, then you know he's in a pretty pretty good place. Um, yeah,
2: he's been he's been named on the bench again for this weekend against oh, Sale. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same starting 15 Hoggies in there, Johnny's in there, um, Skinner and Hidalgo Klein on the bench. But to have four Scots in and around the Leicester, the Exeter starting 23, you know, is working with Rob Baxter. You've got to say that's a net positive for all four of their careers.
3: Yeah, I think particularly um, Johnny Gray, who we've all sort of wanted to make that next step up. Um and I, I think that the Exeter is sort of the perfect perfect place to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. I think for for what for what we I think we've discussed many a time, that what he needs to add to his game to go from international class to basically kind of, you know, world fifteen class really is just kind of that aggression and kind of close contact work that Exeter is so strong at. And it's just like if, if even just like a little bit of it rubs off, it'll be so geeky.
2: Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and I suppose extra looking like they'll go deep into the sort of the knockouts of the Premiership, so you might get some uh, might get some silver to his name, which would be lovely.
0: And then we, we had ones. Matt Scott and Jake Kerr on the other side, who um, uh, watched a bit. Matt Scott didn't look like he got that much ball in hand. He was sort of. Doing a bit more of like trucking up, it seemed.
3: Well, Leicester didn't really have much of the ball. Um, like they conceded like 25 penalties or something. Um, so I think it was like he was on the back foot quite a lot of time, but he, he defended pretty well. Um, didn't make any like big mistakes. Um, yeah, Jake Kerr's arrows were quite good when he came on. Um, I think one of the, the most interesting little cameos was uh. I put up a list of like Scottish qualified players and i deliberately included Fraser Dingwall and Cam Redpath, who don't, who've who obviously trained with England. Yes. Um, and it really pissed off quite a few people. I was like, look, they're, they're Scottish eligible. I'm just <laughs> going by, by the laws. Did you see Fraser Dingwall against Wasps? No. He was marking... He was up against Fecatur and he got absolutely murdered. Oh, really? <laughs> four or five times, one of which... Beckett has subsequently been banned for because he like smashed him around the chin, but uh, yeah, probably wasn't the best the best outing for any uh, any like sort of exile scouts.
2: Um, I suppose looking elsewhere, notable uh, Edinburgh cast um Callum Hunter Hill in the row with um, Maru Toji.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think whilst obviously Saracens are going to go, obviously 100 percent going to go down this season, like. They've obviously put out a pretty full strength team for this uh, for that Bristol game, and Callum Hunter Hill was keeping. I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly. Kipoku on the bench, who that was quite good. Uh, thanks very much. Who's um, you know is a very very strong player, and um, you know hopefully still quite a few games left. I think you know you look. Like, I think Cruz is now gone. Um, I'm not sure where Skelton is, but you think with the volume of games and the fact they've still got Champions Cup, he's gonna get quite a lot of game time this season mm-hmm. in a pack, which is still like Vunapola, Jamie George, Vincent Coke, mm-hmm. uh, Michael, yeah. Toji, etc. So so no, and, it, and you know, he doesn't look out of place. The other the other player that I think is worth noting for a slightly different reason is, that, is the Puddin. Come coming off the bench with maybe the greatest lead rugby's ever seen. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal roof, and he's um, he's doing it to raise money for a charity that I cannot quite remember. But we've put it on our um, Twitter, and we'll put the the donation link into the the show notes of this pod as well. So if you fancy supporting our king and savior Duncan Weir, um, and for a great cause, get in there. It's um, it's looking fantastic.
3: Charity that um, Alex Grove was swimming the Channel for. I think it's like the Worcester Warriors. Um, official sort of charity partner.
2: Oh, great! Well, there you go. We can definitely lend them, um, lend them some money. Please do so. It's a great cause. Um, I was just about to close the news section, but then I was flicking through our Twitter, and um, John Barclay retired, which is worth a note. I would say um, certainly one of the sort of the most highly accomplished Scottish players of the last sort of decade. Um, a little bit of an inauspicious end to his career. Um, had kind of fallen out of favour at Edinburgh, um, didn't have the most fantastic World Cup, so he's not exactly going out on a high. But um, what did you guys make of, I guess, his announcement and um, his contribution to the to Scottish, Scottish rugby?
3: Well, um, it, it was quite interesting in that, so he wrote an article, I think he's writing a few articles to the Times now, and in the first one he wrote, sort of announcing his his um, retirement and looking back on his career, the thing that he really zeroed in on was his time at the Scarlets, um, and he talked about kind of uh, how he just thought it was a an amazing sort of culture and team environment, um, that kind of like band of brothers feel um, that he absolutely loved, and he didn't really talk about Glasgow or Scotland in the same uh, same manner, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and it does kind of, it does kind of feel like he thinks he has slightly been, um, you know, throughout this whole COVID pro- process uh, period, rather like kind of ignored and and left out of the you know the limelight slightly by by the SRU. So I, I think he does leave with like a slight sort of bitter taste in in the mouth. It's sort
0: of the the dream move, which was obviously him sort of coming back as Scotland captain to Edinburgh and sort of seeing out his last few years with Cockrell, just that run of injuries and then, to be fair, so sort of the emergence of Ritchie especially, but also um, Brad as these kind of just world-class players, just, just sort of kind of ruin, ru- ruin the tale a little bit. And I think, I don't know, I, I kind of see where Barkley's sort of coming from, but then at the same time, I think it's, you know, I, he probably doesn't get into that starting 23 for Edinburgh, even when fully fit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you can just look at it and just say it didn't work out. I mean, Edinburgh didn't get a lot of rugby out of him because he picked up a long-term injury um, at the beginning of his contract. And then when he came back, it was fairly curtailed. He was away at the World Cup and then COVID hit. So there just wasn't an awful, awful, awful lot of opportunity. So you can kind of see that the SRU, who I imagine John Barkley didn't come cheap to bring him home um, are looking at it and thinking that we just didn't get as much out of that investment as we might have done. And from from his perspective, he's probably just frustrated he didn't get a lot of rugby out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a shame, but, you know, the guy that has been an absolute stalwart and within that sort of his top, his top games has absolutely been world-class for Scotland. So um, all the best with the retirement, I say.
0: No, 100%. I mean, I think you really would put him up in sort of, you know, top five players of the last decade for, for Scotland. You know, he really is sort of like legend status.
3: I think where he's got uh, an axe to grind is when uh, Scott Johnson was in charge and he seemed to just be completely, when he was playing at Scarlet's, just to be completely in the wilderness and... It, it seems as if he never really appreciate he could never really understand the reasons they were never really communicated to him um and the way that he was sort of discarded by the Scotland team at a time when it felt like he could have added a lot like i, I think when he talks about that you kind of think yeah you're you've got a reason to to feel aggrieved
0: no agreed 100 percent
2: Absolutely. Well, best of luck with the retirement, John. I don't think he's going to go quietly into the night. So I expect we will hear plenty more from him in his column in the Times and other places um, as we go on. Um, Shall we crack on and have a look forward to the weekend? Rugby is back. 1872 Cup action on Saturday evening. Um, Edinburgh versus Glasgow. Um, How should we do this? I mean, should we have a look at the sort of this the post-COVID, I guess, state of the squads, um, and then we can have a look at sort of, I guess, wider sort of um, motivations for the game because clearly Edinburgh seem to have much more on paper to play for than Glasgow. But um, Matt, if I come to you to start with, what what's your sort of take on Edinburgh and Glasgow at the moment and sort of first game back after COVID?
3: Yeah, well, it was interesting to watch a bit of the Premiership last weekend and just how kind of rusty everyone was. Um, so, add to the kind of usual uh, pressures of the eighteen seventy two. I, I don't know if it'll be like the best spectacle. Um, but I don't know. Like Kevin Miller posted some stuff about kind of the depth chart of, of Edinburgh and Glasgow, and I do just look at particularly that Edinburgh pack and think that they have got the upper hand. Um, you know, particularly in the in the back row and to a lesser extent in in the front row. Um I think obviously Edinburgh have had a really good season, they've they've already beaten Glasgow this season as well. Like they'll be going into the match with a with a lot of confidence. Um it does feel as if most people, just judging by our Twitter, are quite quickly writing off Glasgow. Um and it'll be it'll be really interesting to see the style of play that Danny Wilson brings. Um and you know whether you do have someone like Hugh Jones at fullback, just how Glasgow attack um, and whether they can kind of exploit some weaknesses in in that Edinburgh side.
0: Yeah, I think exactly. I think whilst you're right, you look at that pack, especially back row and and front row, there there really is a big gulf, I think in quality between Glasgow and Edinburgh. But then I think if you look at sort of nine to 14 kind of, or at least uh, nine, 10 and centers, Glasgow to to Edinburgh, there's, there's still a pretty big gap. You think, into, especially in terms of like attacking prowess between Glasgow and Glasgow and Edinburgh, and I think you know, especially with Hugh Jones potentially moving to fifteen, if you have kind of that centre combination of um, maybe Sam Johnson and Nick Greg with Price and Hastings, Scrum Half and Fly Half, it feels like if that Glasgow pack can get a bit of parity, that is definitely sort of a backline that can can do a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think talking parity up front, I mean, that Glasgow front five you would think on paper is going to be Keble Brown, Fagerson, Cummings, and Richie Gray. Yeah. I mean, that is a quality front five against, what will it be, Showman, um, Rambo, Nell. Bergen? N- Sorry, Nell. And then Gilchrist and um, somebody else. Two of us. So I mean that's two absolutely top quality front fives going at it. I think Edinburgh will probably nudge it in the back row, um, where you know with Richie and Bradbury, um, they really have the sort of the, the cream of the Scottish crop. But I think the front row and front five battle is going to be really really interesting, and I'm really excited to see how Richie Gray sort of drops back into um, to Scottish rugby.
0: I do wonder though. Just to Matt's point about how scrappy those sort of Premiership games were. And to be fair, even sort of the Super Rugby games, you know, they were great rugby, but at the start, a couple of, they were still relatively scrappy. I just wonder how important that kind of Edinburgh forward pack grit and potentially that advantage they have at the breakdown with just Richie Watson, Matter, and then Bradbury come, potentially coming off the bench feels like because of the timing that advantage might just be a little
2: bit larger, larger than normal. I also feel that Edinburgh's advantage is the fact that, you know, they are, they're still in the hunt. They've got a very good chance at bagging a home semi-final for the program.
1: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind.
2: who knows, you get one game in knockout rugby. Like that Edinburgh side can probably beat most teams um, in a one-off game. So um, that's where I think the biggest difference will be in that Edinburgh is still playing this season, whereas Glasgow might be seeing these couple of games as like, you know, a bit of a pre-season hit-out yeah. before the, the new season kicks off.
0: I don't know. I just think with because you've been out for so long... And because of the nature of sort of the Glasgow enver rivalry and just how much it impacts your sort of Scottish selection, I don't think that the the level of um desire is going to be much different between the two, if I'm honest. Um I might maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, but I I feel like Glasgow, whilst on you know, in terms of the competition don't have a lot to play for, it does feel like there is still a lot to get you motivated for it. Um mainly also the fact that the main sourness I have is I, I, don't know why, in February put £50 on Glasgow to win the Pro 14 <laughs> <laughs> which would have won me £1,000 and I'm now trying to work out whether I can get a refund from Betfair because the rules of engagement have changed um, but, but don't
3: well, Glasgow still <laughs> technically have a chance of winning it, so your bet
0: Do you, I think Ulster need to basically lose both games and not get any losing bonus points or at least one I think maybe Um, And Glasgow need to get a winning, uh, like a bonus point in both games. I think that's the the permutation.
2: I think you probably put that down based on Glasgow had quite a good run-in and they were hitting a sort of level of form that they usually do. I think they had, you know, back-to-back games against Ulster and they had two games to play against the Dragons as well, Ulster being just above them and Dragons being rock bottom of their pool. Mm. So there was a really good opportunity for them to make a late push for the playoffs and then obviously COVID scuppered it. So well, yeah. it, maybe maybe in February, your 50 quid was actually a smart bet. It was. Now it looks really, really stupid.
0: stupid. It was an incredibly smart bet. I even had ideas of potentially cashing out once they'd sort of made the semifinals. But, <laughs> uh, but Tim from Betfair Customer Service isn't listening to this, all right? <laughs> He's ain't giving my money Tim. back.
2: <laughs> Tim. Um, I mean... Do you think, on the assumption that Edinburgh go on and um, and get a semi-final, it's looking like um, the teams that are still in the mix—Edinburgh, Munster, Leinster, Ulster—are the sort of the top four or top two in each conference. Um, do you think Edinburgh have got a chance of um, of going on and winning the whole
3: thing? I I, th- I get the sense that they can they can beat everyone or anyone maybe with the exception of of Leinster. Um I think that where where Edinburgh uh play quite well in that knockout rugby is the strength of their pack and the fact that they've got a pretty good kicking game. Like I think that you know and Gruen are both good box kickers. Um Van Vault's got a decent enough boot boot on him as well. Um and hopefully kind of this is like the next step in the Edinburgh journey from you know, in the past couple of seasons, getting into that knockout stage, I think the Champions Cup and the and the Pro Fourteen, um, sort of quarterfinal and semifinals, and being very close to to getting through, um, in both those instances, and and hopefully they can kind of use that experience to to get themselves through. My as I said, my only concern is that they like you know meet a Leinster, and Leinster are just so good at winning those knockout games of rugby, and that's where, um the kind of journey comes to a halt. But no, I, I I don't see why not. I think that they're confident. I think that Cockers is the kind of guy who just instills that kind of mindset. So I think they're pretty well placed.
0: I think definitely if they get Ulster in the semifinals, which looks like the likely outcome, as long as they win the group, then I don't really have much. Um, I'm relatively certain. That I think Edinburgh, especially at home, will um will be able to sort of beat them. But yeah, it's just Leinster. Leinster just such that cut above sort of everyone else, I guess, and especially because they're going to probably probably be using this as a warm up for the Champions Cup as well. Um, so it, it potentially feels like that Leinster in a final is just one step too far for this Edinburgh team. And I think we've got to remember that, you know, last year they didn't even make the playoffs. So I think if they did get to a final, I think that that's still showing that really good progression, I think they've then got you know a pretty great team to sort of push on for next year
2: and obviously Edinburgh still in the um, in the challenge cup um, they've they're due to be playing Bordeaux on the nineteenth of September um, so they still do have a little bit of European interest whether that goes ahead in France I've got absolutely no idea because they're currently on our quarantine watch list but I mean, if Edinburgh get a, a Pro 14 semi and uh, you know and a Challenge Cup semi or anything beyond that, it's a pretty decent season for them and something to definitely build on, isn't it? The
3: the best thing about that Bordeaux match is that Randranda isn't there anymore. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's at Bristol now. So like, that was one of the few Challenge Cup games that I watched last year against Bordeaux and Bordeaux have a good good side make no doubt about it but he was the difference like he just gave them so much confidence it's just an absolute game breaker um,
2: so looking at the looking at the draw if Edinburgh do beat Bordeaux they will likely meet Bristol Bears in the semi because Bristol have got the Dragons
3: oh for goodness sake so
0: <laughs> don't worry uh, the, the Prince has got Rad Radra all day long
2: all day long yeah Bordeaux, other teams um, remaining in that the other quarterfinals of Toulon versus the Scarlets and Leicester Tigers against Cast. So you'd probably put Bristol as the favourites in that at the moment, looking at the neck of their squad.
3: Um, Ordo have signed um, Ben Lamb. Oh God. Like, he is equally <laughs> terrifying. Well,
2: we will have to see how that goes. So 1872 Cup will be decided On Saturday, and then there is a return fixture. There's been a little bit of a switch. This one is in, so this one's in Edinburgh, and then the next one's in Glasgow, right? Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. No, this, the first game is Glasgow's home game. Yeah. The second game is Edinburgh's home game.
2: I thought they'd, I thought this one was in Edinburgh, or have they switched that? Yeah,
3: they're they're both in Edinburgh. They're
2: both
0: in Edinburgh.
3: Oh, right. I think, I think basically. They think that it's, you know, they can play the game at Murrayfield because it's far easier to social distance compared to... Yeah, of course. And they've made Murrayfield this weekend, made this the match this weekend, Glasgow's home fixture.
2: I'm sure Glasgow will feel very good about it. Does that mean they get the, mass, the, the dressing room without the pillar down the middle of it?
3: Good question. Don't know.
2: Do you think they'll put Edinburgh in the away dressing room? Yes. That would be quite funny. That would be quite funny.
3: Do you think Cocker's would let that happen?
2: Take out, take out with Mark Dodson.
3: Cocker's has got too much. Cocker's got far more power than Danny Wilson at the moment.
0: Oh yeah, God, he's like
3: Mark. Yeah, Danny. Danny
2: Wilson will take what he's given. Exactly.
0: Well, it looks like because Cockrell has sort of indicated he's going to be signing a two-year extension as well.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, you're in the away dressing room. He's like, oh, is that right? I'll just. uh, (laughs)
2: <laughs> just had the just had the director of rugby at Gloucester on the phone again.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> um, I I thought they 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 might um, get some fans in for that second game, but then the news has come out today that the Scottish government's looking at mid September for getting fans in stadiums. Although I don't know if they they want to try and have any sort of like test events before that. Mid September date was uh, the date that's been flying around.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It, it's a movable feast, COVID restrictions at the moment. So um, at least I think no high profile Scottish rugby players have been caught out like high profile Scottish football players have been. like So, you know, going out on the piss and things like that. So hopefully we will uh, we will manage to get an event with fans sooner rather than later.
0: There's definitely a risk of like Adam Hastings going to Ibiza for the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, him and Blair Kinghorn post first match, then infect both squads, squads.
3: But but did you not see um, the, um is it not Gar, Gary Lineker's Wayne Lineker's got a club out there? Yeah, called Lineker's. Yeah, it's closed down. What? Yeah, it's closed down. It's gone out of business.
2: Is was that-, that after? Was that after you did that? You got caught on video um, choosing a girlfriend by pushing like sort of models into a swimming pool.
3: Yes. <laughs> i know he's he's closed it because of his his uh staff have tested positive apparently old oh for god's wayne. sake old wayne there's a, there's there's a great photo. A nice guy
0: there's loads of photos of him like slumped over the bar, and it's like yeah. Lineker slumped in misery after being forced <laughs> to close down club
3: <laughs> <laughs> there was a video wow. there was a video doing the rounds as well of someone you know that game where you like crouch behind someone and then someone pushes you over Yes. yes. Someone like Wayne Lineker was like in his club walking around, and someone, some little bam, leant down underneath him, pushed him into the pool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think we should um, move on from Wayne Lineker. <laughs> I think we have strayed quite a long way from our uh, our mission statement of Scottish rugby by talking about clubs in Ibiza. Um, you guys want to do the quiz?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Should we do, so predi- do you want to do predictions for Saturday?
2: Yes, let's do that first. Um, Since you asked Alan, what is your prediction?
0: Uh, My prediction is an an Edinburgh win but no bonus point and a a losing bonus point for Glasgow. So tight. I think it's going to be tight. I think you're looking at like one or two tries max. So you're looking at something like a 16-12 Edinburgh.
2: Yeah, Matt.
3: Yeah, I think, I think if it was like later on in the season, or you know, Glasgow with a few games under the belt, I think Glasgow still have the ability to, to shock a team like Edinburgh, but I think given the circumstances, I'd say Edinburgh by 10 or 12. Yeah, I, I'm minded to be a
2: bit more with Matt on that one, just because I think they have the impetus for this game. They want to top that pool. They want to get that home semi. Um, so I just think they're going to care a bit more. And I think if it is a slightly cagier affair and it comes down to pack dominance and kicking, I think Edinburgh are probably in a better position to do it. A little, br- little brace from Doohan um, and uh, Hugh Jones getting one from fullback for Glasgow as well.
0: Well, we didn't talk about Hugh Jones at fullback. I mean, We actually didn't. <laughs> how, do, how do you think a Hugh Jones at fullback is handling a one-on-one with duhan?
2: Like I used to handle any one-on-ones when I played fullback, make it look like you've thrown everything at the tackle, <laughs> even if you, even if you know there's absolutely no way you're getting them down.
3: You've got to dive,
2: or you've got to Like when they're on the outside of you, you do the dive to go for the tap tackle, even though you know they <laughs> even though you know they're miles away from you.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I know. Again, we all know that Hugh Jones is a great sort of broken field runner. But he really doesn't do that much kicking, even for a centre. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see when you know, when, um, Blair Kinghorn's putting bombs up or putting in some long kicks, how he sort of manages that.
3: Because I, I could see him, you know, if he gets a bit of space in, like, broken field, he, could, I, I'm sure he would be effective. But fullbacks don't really get that many opportunities like that, like that these days. And yeah. What, what about your basics?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, and I wonder if you just put bomb up and you've just got matter coming at you, going up the leap. It's a pretty bleak place to be. Pass. No, I mean, no thank like, you. We, we'd love, we, well, from a Scotland perspective, it feels a little bit actually um, like a, a, poor, a poor direction. But for Glasgow, if it was to work it'd be absolutely fantastic because it just means we can get more of kind of the great centers that Glasgow have into the starting 15. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Right. Um, right. Quiz time. So the um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the name of a player. Um, they're all well-known Scotland players. Are they all Scotland internationals? They're all Scotland internationals. Um, and I'll tell you how many clubs, professional clubs that they have played for. And then so I would give you the name and then you've got to say, OK, say it was somebody that had played for eight clubs. You would then say, oh, I, reckon, I reckon I can name three of those. And then if Matt says three, and you can either say, I reckon I can do four or you can ask Matt to name the three. Um, if Matt names the three, he wins the point. If he doesn't name the three, if he gets it wrong, you win the point. And I've got five players, so best of five. Sounds good. that,
3: that all clear? So what's, the, uh, what's the punishment for losing?
2: Um, it will be broadcast on a podcast and people will ridicule you on social media. Sounds good. All right, so let's go. First player is um, Gordon Ross. He's played for five clubs um and in the imaginary coin toss i'm doing right now alan you've won the coin toss congratulations you get to place your bid first gordon ross five clubs
0: uh, i'll put three
2: matt can you go four
3: uh what happens if i'm on three as well do i just have to make do i have to call him? Well,
2: because alan got to go first you you either have to call him on three or go for four um i'm gonna go for four You're going for four yeah alan if you have you got all five absolutely not all right matt name them one at a time please
3: okay i'm gonna go for harriet's
2: okay professional clubs only matt <laughs>
3: okay. okay well i think i've actually still got it anyway um, edinburgh correct leeds tykes correct Worcester.
2: Incorrect. Oh. He is coach. He is coaching at Worcester currently, oh. but never played for them.
3: I've, well, I've got another one. Whoa, don't know? it gets to jump in here. Well, no,
2: you, you've you won the point, Alan. Yeah, oh, you nice. don't even need to name them.
3: London Welsh is so, the other one I was thinking of.
2: London Welsh is correct. The other two were Saracens and Cast. All right. So there you go. Um, so 1-0 to Alan. Matt, we're coming to you first time... first Heriot should be your, there, but fine. <laughs> will be a professional club one day. Um, coming to you first, Matt, for your bid. They've played for six clubs. It's you and Murray.
3: Oh. Um.
2: Let's have a go at that opening bid. What do you reckon?
3: Uh
2: three gone for three and have you got four of you in Murray's clubs
0: uh I don't know if I have any now I'm thinking about it (laughs) 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 um fucking hell I feel like I should go for the four um okay I'll go for four
2: okay
0: I really don't
2: Matt, have you got five Uh no. Okay. Alan. We need four clubs that you and Murray's played for.
0: So Northampton. Correct. Glasgow Warriors. Correct. Falcons. Correct. Oh. Breathe.
2: Oh, it's incorrect. You oh. were so close.
0: I know there's a rogue to- a rogue Frenchie there.
2: There's two rogue French clubs in there. Um, he played for Agen and Poe. Pa- and po, and <laughs> also a two-year stint at the Worcester Warriors.
3: Yeah, I was going to say Warriors. Uh, yeah.
2: Oh, it's, it's, it's one of three names to come. Um, okay, so seven clubs for this player. Scrum Half, Grayson Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Seven clubs.
0: Uh, okay. I'll I'll put four.
2: Chucking down four. Nice. Oh. That's a, that's, see, that's an interesting bid because Matt's now, now really got to work for it.
3: I'm calling Alan on four. <laughs> All right. Um, Edinburgh and Glasgow.
2: Correct. Correct. Uh, Ealing. Correct.
0: And, and London Scottish. Correct. Oh. Um, and then other the, ones. Uh, do you want to have a go?
2: There's one more championship club. Bedford. Correct.
3: And did he play for and the
2: Waratahs? He played two games for the Waratahs. And Western Force? No, he had eight appearances for the Auckland Blues. Oh,
0: all right.
2: So that is Grayson Hart's seven clubs. So that's 2 1 to Allen. Matt, you're still in this. Your first bid on Scott Lawson. Five clubs that Scott Lawson's played for.
3: A bit of time to think about it.
2: No. Well, of course. we can getting all the cut out.
3: And once again, bigger doesn't count, does it?
2: <laughs> no. Professional clubs only. Um it is actually quite hard to find Scottish rugby internationals that have played for more than like three clubs. Because <laughs> there's loads that have only played for one or two. What do you think, Matt? Opening bid, Scott Lawson. I've got
3: three.
2: Three?
3: I can do four. Oh.
0: oh. So, Matt, I don't know if four, you want to go. Four, would win, four would win the game. Four win um, the game, so Matt. Uh,
3: I've got Newcastle.
2: Oh right. Sorry Matt, are you saying you can do five?
3: Oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> well if I've only got three, then um no I can't, no.
2: So we've got to hear Alan's four. For the win, Alan.
0: We've got Newcastle, we've got Glasgow, got Gloucester, and then a the sale.
2: That is correct. I
0: can't I don't know what the fifth is though.
3: Is it London Irish?
2: It is eighteen caps for London Irish.
3: Well done. So that's
2: three one to Alan.
3: Gloucester and Sale. It's
2: the the game, game. It's game over. Do you want? Do you want the fifth? Just for a bit of fun. Obviously. So six clubs. Current coach of Scotland, Gregor Townsend.
0: So I, I think could this not be seven? Is uh, are you including the
2: repeat Australian stints count as one
0: Australian club?
2: No, I'm not counting the Australian club.
0: Australian I don't I don't think they're pro though,
2: are they? What? The
3: The man, Manly.
0: Yeah, it was like Manly. Yeah, like
2: I don't think they I don't um, think they're pro. I'll
0: put five.
3: Oh, I don't think I've got five. <laughs> I'm gonna call you on that then.
0: Uh, Northampton Kids. Correct. Borders. Correct. Sharks. Correct. Breathe. Correct. And Kestra.
2: Correct. Oh, wow. And the final one, you want to have a punt? His third French team he played for?
0: Yeah, I knew he played for three. I don't know what the third one is, though.
2: Montpellier, third caps for Montpellier.
3: Really?
2: There you go. So 4-1 four, four, to Allen. It's a bit of a rout, actually, Matt.
3: Yeah, unfortunate. Well played. Well, there you go.
2: I'll try and find some more players that have played for more than Edinburgh and Glasgow for next week, because it's quite difficult.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to do Laidlaw and then someone was going to try and guess his Japanese club. (laughs) Yeah.
2: yeah. I I mean, Laidlaw is one of those that is played, obviously, out of the country. But, um... I
0: I did have a look. It's Edinburgh, Gloucester, Clermont, and then, like, NTT Communications.
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly that Um, well great well congratulations Alan Um, I don't know if this is a new season of the pod but maybe we should treat it as um, we will be back next week to uh, preview the second Edinburgh and Glasgow game talk about the 1872 that was we've also got a brand new product launching on Monday so we're going to be doing a weekly newsletter um, which is going to be sort of all of our usual nonsense um, straight to your inbox on a Monday morning everything that's been going on in Scottish rugby, all of the best articles that are out there collated into one place so you can enjoy them from us, curated by us. That's what we're calling it. So um, there is a link to that on our Twitter. We'll put it in the show notes for this as well. But if you search Substack Thistle Rugby Pod, it will also come up. Get yourself onto that. And we will be in in your inbox every Monday. Um, And we will be back um, to chat to you next week and every week for the rest of the season so looking forward to it guys thanks very much and uh, we will speak soon
3: cheers see ya
1: here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states